Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and this is kind of unusual. Uh, with me is Ben Bolin. Say hi, everybody, Ben. Hey, everybody. Um, ben, you are here because, well, we have some pretty big news. Yep. Um, well, because we, we can't really say exactly why, but um, Chuck was called away and is not going to be with us any longer, unfortunately. It's a very, very sad day for all of us here. Um, you know, Chuck was part of this almost from the beginning, Ben. Yeah, uh, Chuck uh, started in uh, July of 2008. Yes, nice homework. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, I always said, like, that's when the, the fireworks happened. Like, everything just, like, that first Chuck episode, it was oh, just yeah. amazing. So, um, not to set you up for anything, mm. <laughs> obviously, but, you know, there's some big shoes to fill, and Chuck will be missed. And I know you love him, and everybody out there loves him, but we've got to keep going on. You know, yeah, Chuck is doing what he has to do, yeah. and uh, yeah. it falls it falls to us. I um, want to be respectful. Well, place. yeah, a longtime fan, first time co-host. Well, so. that hopefully that that you know that will translate to this. That you know that you have an enthusiasm for not just the topics, but for stuff you should know in general. You know, like that'll I'm sure people will appreciate that. I know this is a little odd. This is it was quick. It was sudden. It was out of the blue, but Hats off to you, man, for stepping in. Like you, you're a braver soul than I am. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little scared. You're doing good. What Aaron Cooper's gonna think? (laughs) Everybody else is is gonna do. But I think uh, Aaron Cooper's the least of your worries. Probably the show has to go on. Right. So, well, with that, let's go on with the show. We're talking today about um, 3D printers. Mm -hmm. Are you uh, pretty familiar with 3D printers? Yep. So. I I am as well, kind of, you know, mostly just from keeping up with like the big news stories. Sure. Um, but the ins and outs, the details of a 3D printer, um, the the machine itself, how it operates, I didn't really know a lot about until uh, I read this article. Like, were you familiar with the the intricacies of it? Yes. Yeah. Um. Didn't you guys have one in the video department? I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but you originally started out, you were a video guy, mm-hmm. and then you made the leap over to editorial, and now here you are um, on stuff you should know, too. Um, but wasn't there a, a 3D printer in the video department for a while? Yep. And you guys made some pretty good use of that, right? Uh, yeah, the uh, 3D printer that we had uh, is one of the early models, so it mm-hmm. has some advantages. It can print some really cool stuff, but it has a pretty small, uh, a pretty small production capacity. It takes right. a while to get to it. It's cool. We only have one kind of plastic, so everything is a really bright green. Yes, I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, is the kind that gives you a headache. Yes. Yeah, uh, and that is that is probably um, the bulk of the cons when it gets to that. But I think that 3D printing is a fantastic and exciting thing. And a lot of people don't know this, but not all 3D printing is created equally. There are uh, a couple of different types. Uh, so what we were hoping to talk about in today's episode, right, is that uh, 3D printing isn't just for, you know, cute little chess pieces or uh, right. car parts, right? Right. 
You could do um, you could do all sorts of things. As a matter of fact, mentioning news stories, we we recently were talking off air. In my head, I was imagining that we were talking off air rather about um, printing uh, human tissue right. with a with a three D printer. Some guys at Harvard, uh, which is a, a college in the U.S. Um, Josh, huh? What? Wake up! Oh, wake up, dude! Oh, what man. are you doing? Oh man, you got eye boogers. Yeah, sorry about that. It's what? crazy. That's so weird. Like I, I came in here, Jerry's all set up, and you're asleep in your chair. I think she put something in my coffee. Did like she roofie some you? Knockout pills or something? Well, you looked like I don't know. You were restless. Yeah, it was weird. I just had the worst dream. Like you had gone somewhere, some vague place, no one knew, or we yeah. weren't saying. And Ben from Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. In Bowen? Yeah, Ben uh-huh. was like in your place. And he was doing like a really good job. Whoa, too. whoa, whoa. You mean Ben? I left work and Ben took my job? Yeah. And I mean, he look- was, he was giving your job. He was stepping up. Yeah, yeah. Try to fill your shoes kind of thing. He was doing good. So was it like, it didn't look like a nightmare, I gotta say. I mean, it was, it was nightmarish in that, um, I didn't like what I was wearing, but Ben was yeah. doing great. So it was a dream it was of a dream. all dreams. It was a pretty pedestrian, mundane dream. Yeah. It was a, Thanks, buddy. I guess it was like a April Fool's dream of some sort. Oh. Uh, you know? Is that what this is? I guess because it was a dream today. Uh-huh. Today is April Fool's Day. It all makes sense. Which would make it an April Fool's dream. Wow. Man. All right. Well, you got a little drool on your lips still, but otherwise yeah. I'm ready to go. With I, I have to say it, it was nightmarish. I'll just fess up. All right. The idea of doing stuff you should know without you is... You could have led with that. <laughs> you know? I wanted to keep you in suspense. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to go have Ben killed very quickly. <laughs> and then we can You probably do... should because, I mean, yeah. ask anybody who was hearing my dream. Like, it was... He was good. My seat is warm. <laughs> yeah. He tiny. did do that a few times. All right. So, uh, well, here's the weird thing. In my dream, we were about to talk about 3D printing. What topic are we about to cover now? 3D printing. What? Yep. (laughs) This is the craziest (laughs) dream I've ever had in my life. All right. Am I dreaming now? No, this is for real. Like, in fact, I have somewhere to be, so I'd like to get on with it. Oh, okay. Well, let's do that then. Let's put you back to bed afterward and you can dream about me being dead all you want. Yeah, because I still am kind (laughs) of groggy. All right. Uh, so Chuck. Yeah. You ready to rap? Yeah. About 3D printing? Yeah. It, it bugs me already that they call it printing. Why? Well, cause it's not printing. It's, uh, yeah, okay. I see where they get the name, but it's, it's, to me, it's a little bit of a confusing thing. So you're an additive manufacturing guy? Yeah. Is that what you're into? <laughs> yeah. Cause that's the other term for it. I mean, there's a couple of other terms. Some are kind of old timey, like stereolithography. That sounds old timey. Um, but additive manufacturing is the umbrella term for what 3D printing is. Or 3D layering. I like that. Yeah, which is a little more accurate than printing. Yeah. Um, although th- the reason that they, they call it printing, as we will see, is because it dovetails well with traditional two-dimensional inkjet printers. It uses a lot of the same form and function. Yeah, I get why they say it. Yeah. But Plus, um, you mentioned additive manufacturing, though. That's the key is that it's, it's not a... Uh, computer numerical controlled machining, which is when you start with a block of something and carve it down. This is actually right. starting from nothing and adding to it, which is really neat. It's the reverse of that. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with 3D printing, 
I'm just going to call it that. I'm sorry. No, that's what we're going to call okay. it. Okay. Or 3DP. If what you would Ben be call jack. it? <laughs> you call it 3DP. Okay. Um, then he'd say it with like a smile and his teeth would ding. <laughs> <laughs> He's got great breath. Um, he does. It's pretty pleasant. Uh, we, we, let's just get past this Ben thing. I'm sorry about my dream. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so anyway, with, with 3D printing, the whole basis of it is, is you, you, Print a three-dimensional object, or you manufacture yeah, yeah. a three-dimensional object, layer by layer by layer by layer. Mm-hmm. Layers can be a micron up to a millimeter or so thick, yeah. and um, as each layer is deposited on top of the next, you have a 3D object that's built. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the sum total of it. Yeah, really. like everything from uh, I think Ben even mentioned chess pieces. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to like you know a. Whatever. I mean, whatever you can think of, you can 3D print virtually, including guns and yeah. potentially one day bodily organs and things like that. Yep. I can yeah. see like an artificial heart being 3D printed. They're working on it. Yeah. Yep. There's, I mean, like you say, anything you can come up with, somebody is trying to 3D print or yeah. already has. It's the latest and greatest. It is. And in fact, Chuck, a lot of people think it's going to be the next industrial revolution, honestly. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of reason to put some money behind that because yeah. the, it, it, if it if it does take off and it's becoming increasingly possible that it does as costs come down for materials and the actual printers themselves. Sure. Um, the 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 more and more barriers are coming down. And if, if it becomes widespread, man, so long manufacturing and transportation sectors as we know them. Yeah, and say hello to custom everything. Yeah, broke your spatula in your kitchen, and it's like one in the morning, and you're one of those weirdos who eats dinner at one in the morning, and you get a broken spatula, and you can't go to Bed Bath & Beyond, or else you'd have to break in. (laughs) No, all you do is go to your, uh, your office computer at home. Sure. Say, hey, Amazon, I need a new spatula. It sends the designs to your 3D printer, yeah. print you out a new spatula, wait till it cools down, and then you go finish cooking spaghetti. Yeah, I think the trick is uh, is cost, like with any kind of early uh, technology like this. Yeah. Like cost and size, that's got to come down. And it already is. I mean, you can buy these things for like 800 bucks now. You can get them for, I think there's, you can get unassembled ones for like 200. Really? You can get assembled for like three or four or 500. Wow. Yeah. So, all right. So we should totally have one in the office. We do. Didn't was you? that was that real? What was what real? <laughs> were you controlling my dream? I was. I knew it. I knew you were controlling my dream. Do we really? That's have one why here? I was wearing that okay. outfit. Yeah, I dressed you up as a little bow peep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't like it. Uh, yeah, we, there is one somewhere, and it really works. Like we have used it. Yeah. Remember the? Did you? You have you not seen the little green like chess pieces that he was talking about? No, um, no unless I saw them and didn't realize that they're we awful. Just some awful neon green. But yeah, there there was a. As far as I know, it's huh. still here. Cool. But what well, you were saying, like this is kind of early on in in the. Um, it's nascent. It's a nascent technology. Yeah, but going fast. Yes, and it's nascent really as far as entering people's homes are concerned. As far as industry, yeah, is concerned, it's been around for decades now. As a matter of fact, the mid '80s was when um, additive manufacturing, the the prototypical 3D manufacturing um, or 3D printing, was really introduced to the industry sector and said, "Hey, guys, you know your prototyping yeah. process. Well, prepare to 
cut it by like seven eighths. Yeah, and speed wise. Speed wise, materials wise. Yeah. CO two output wise. Yeah, in every way. Uh, it's called rapid prototyping, and that, like you said, in the eighties and early nineties, is when they said you 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 have some ideas for maybe a car part or something. Yeah. How would you like to? And you know what prototyping is is when you uh, build something to test out, basically. Yes. As, as a manufacturer. Right. Your prototype. But um, they said, how would you like to to work with that prototype tomorrow? Yeah. Instead of, you know, a month from now. To right. Have it manufactured. And then, like, coming up with your design, sending them overseas, having the uh, the prototype built, shipped back to you. Yeah. Finding out that it didn't quite it fit. Quite recalculating. Right. Yeah. Sending it back. Like, this was the prototyping process until, like, the um, rapid, rapid prototyping was introduced. Yeah. And I think, uh, like, in many cases with technology, we have... Uh, MIT, to thank Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They were definitely one of them, but it seems like there was a a several different people, or companies, or institutions that were coming up with this at about the same time. I think car companies had a lot of the early. They definitely bought a lot of the early yeah. ones for sure. So, like in in the in the mid eighties, a guy named Charles Hull came up with this technique that's still in use today. Yeah, where you use a laser to turn some sort of um, plasticky dust, a polymer dust, into something solid. It's called like alchemy. For pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Photopolymerization. And it was one of the earliest types of 3D printing. And like I said, it's still in use today. Um, and Hull went on to create a, a company called 3D Systems that's still around today, one of the leaders in 3D printing. So he's loaded. Yeah. He's still the CTO of the company. Uh, well, I guess we should talk about the two main processes, huh? Direct and binder printing. Right. Uh, direct printing is, uh, that's the one that looks and behaves most like your regular, like, inkjet printer. When mm-hmm. you see it moving along, it's the little metal bars. It looks, you know, a lot like that. Right. Uh, it's got a little nozzle. And it's gonna, instead of dispensing ink though, it dispenses either a plastic polymer or a, a waxy substance. Something that's heated up and melted. Sprayed, yeah, in a pattern that it's supposed to be onto the surface, and then it cools and hardens. Yeah, and that's the key: is it, it has to come out really hot and it has to cool really fast. And uh, if you've seen these nozzles, it's like you can think of it kind of like a hot glue gun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of what the tip looks like, right? Except much finer, obviously. And uh, it'll even leave, like, if you're printing like a like a Yoda head. Which people love to print <laughs> on 3D printers. And you have to come from the head to the, the ear that sticks out. There's a gap there. There will be even like little hot glue strings left behind. Mm-hmm. The stuff you got to go and like clean up later. Right. Which is part of the process. Sure. Um, so that's, uh, that's direct 3D printing. There's uh, another type that's similar called, um, binder 3D printing. And it's called binder because you use a, uh, like your base substance is a powder. Yeah polymer something it's but it's in powdered form and that's sprayed or laid down in the uh, arrangement that it's supposed to be for that layer yeah and then a binder of like glue or some sort of um liquid that holds it in place and seals it together um is sprayed over it yeah so it's two passes powder pass and then the liquid pass right and even though it's there's two passes it's actually faster um because you don't have all these different nozzles having to add all this different stuff it's just like 
there's your powder, there's your binder. Yeah, and you can use, that's where you can, like, uh, use metals and ceramics and things like that. Right. It really opens up your world material-wise. Yep. Uh, and then there's multi-jet modeling, which is pretty cool. That's when you have, uh, well, you have many of those jets. And if you've seen these <laughs> things at work, it's, like, really cool. Just all operating at the same time, building yeah. something right in front of your eyes. Moving like little robots, yeah. spraying plastic all <laughs> over the place. Pretty much. Um, but in very precise places. Yeah, like you said, microns at times. And then there's another one we want to give a shout out to called Fuels, Fuse Deposition. I think, yes. Fuel, Fuse. Wow, I'm really having trouble with this one. Fused Deposition Modeling. Which is basically you're using like even smaller nozzles uh-huh. that are actually, they're not spraying, they're injecting things. Right. Which gives you an incredibly intricate amount of detail or amount of intricate detail. So you've got direct and binder. And yeah. those are kind those are of common, the, right? They are, yes, very common. And then there's kind of subsets of those. There's basically, if we did this episode five years from now, yeah. we'd be like, here's how 3D printing works. And it'd be one of these. That's what I had a feeling that as time goes on, then some of these will fall away. Like Definitely. with any technology, they're all right now. They're competing to be sure. basically the 3D printing technology that becomes the standard for all, like inkjet. Yeah, inkjet printers were invented in the 60s, but there was dot matrix, all these others, and right. then it just became clear that inkjet printing was the way to go. I think that's what's going on with 3D printing right now. Whichever one is the most viable for the consumer is the one that'll usually win out. Probably. Exactly. You know? Because that's the one that companies will put all their money into and yeah. then that's yeah, that's where all the breakthroughs will come from. And maybe on on the manufacturing side they might still have their own like super expensive uh, ways of doing things, but if you want one at your house, they're going to have to like scale it down, you know? Exactly. So one of the You've got binder printing, you've got direct 3D printing, and then you have different ways that these can be used. So, um, for example, remember I mentioned Charles Hull and his uh, photopolymerization. Yes. Um, that's You can use that for binding, right? So that's the laser one? Yeah. So yeah. you would use some sort of powder, right? And then you would use a, a UV laser to that expose that powder and turn it into a solid, right? Just boo. Yeah. I think it makes that sound. Yeah. <laughs> this is why people love that 3D printer. Um, so you were using like a technically a 3D binder printing method, but yeah. you're using photopolymerization as the technique to actually bind the stuff together. Right. Right. And then depending on your material, you might want to use a different kind of technique. Like um, selective laser sintering is really good for metals. Yeah. And that uh, that's a laser as well. And it melts, actually melts. Right. This uh, plastic powder and then solidifies it after that. Or it can melt metal powder. Yeah. So if you're creating like um, something that normally would have to be like die cast or machined or something like that. Right. You're creating a structure that's just as sturdy. But here's the big – this is one of the reasons why 3D printing could lead to a, a, a revolution in manufacturing. Um, when you are creating something using a 3D printer, you are able to – you're creating a cross section of it, yeah, layer by layer, but it's just as sturdy as something solid, right? Yeah, like the insides of these, it's neither hollow nor solid. It's got like a, a lattice support system, right? Of. If that's what it calls for, right? Yeah. So you can do honeycomb, you could do lattice, you can you can subtract a lot of what has to be in something that's die cast just because yeah. the human hand or the machines we have aren't capable of making something so intricate. So you have a lot of waste in manufacturing. There's a lot of um, 
extra metal in a widget that doesn't have to be there. Sure. With 3D printing, you use just the amount of material you need, and you can make the thing as lightweight as its structural soundness can call for. Yeah, so like if you want to make a die-cast Civil War soldier <laughs> right? that's six inches tall, mm-hmm. it can be hollow and use 80% less material. Right. If you want detail in his laces, yeah. you use a 3D printer for that. If you want just clumpy Homer Simpson shoes, <laughs> you, you can make it die cast. But, but to, to use an even more to the point real world example, if you are making airplane parts and you are making a, um, a hinge. Yeah. And the hinge made it using die cast techniques is blocky and clunky. Yeah. And the one with 3D printing is like lattice, like you said. Right. The lattice one's going to be more lightweight. Sure. If you have a thousand hinges on a plane, all that extra weight adds up in the die cast one. Yeah. It's not there with the um, 3D printed one, which means the plane weighs less, which means it uses less fuel, yeah. which means it puts out less CO2. And c- or could carry more even. Right, exactly. And it's possibly even more sound structurally because this thing has been so intricately created. Yeah. Boy, the, it's really almost endless, yeah. the applications for this in the future. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, spatulas <laughs> to airplane hinges. Just Simpson Civil War figures. Right. Uh, well, I guess we should talk a little bit about the process because this is where it – and you should look at a video if you haven't yet of a it's, 3D printer in action. It's pretty neat. It is, but also it's very tough to describe. Yeah. Um, and it's just so much easier to just see it. Yeah. There's a good TED Talk from, I think, 2011 – um, I can't remember the woman's name, but she does a good job of just step by step. Here's the basis of, of, um, 3D printing and here's some, you know, video footage that you're just like, oh, okay, I totally get it now. But so, here's us clumsily attempting <laughs> to explain it. Well, they all use a, a similar approach. Um, step one is, uh, CAD, computer aided design. This is what you have to start with. It's a software that, you know, it, it's the same as when you do like a, 3D graphics for a motion picture. What you're doing is just creating a a three dimensional uh, structure on your computer screen. Right. That's uh, basically your blueprint. Yeah. For what a, you're going to end up making. It's CAD software. It's yeah. like the same stuff that architects or engineers use. Because not only can you design it in three dimensions, uh, you can also test its soundness. Sure. You can model it. Yeah. Like a big warning light goes on, and <laughs> it, the bridge you've modeled yeah. isn't going to hold cars. Yeah. Uh, number two, and this is some, you know, kind of technical geeky stuff, but it's all part of the process. Uh, you have to convert that to something called the STL format, standard, uh, tessellation language. Mm-hmm. And that's basically just a file format developed in the eighties, um, that allows the two, the machine to read the CAD software. Right. It translates it from the CAD. Yeah language to the printer's language. It's just an, a very geeky step in the process. Right. And that STL format, that was a Charles Hole invention, too. Oh, yeah? yeah. See, I wonder if the, if eliminating some of these steps at some point is going to be the deal to where you can, like, draw something on your computer and plug it in to your 3D printer. Yeah. I think that's kind of already there, but you just have to have CAD, and then you can probably, in CAD, I would imagine, just export to um, STL Format, right. you know, like changing a Word document to a PDF yeah. or something like I that. So. I think it's that simple. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, and then you're gonna you're gonna transfer all that to your machine, and 
there is a computer that is attached to your 3D printer, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so now it has the, the, the blueprint. It is converted to the proper language and it's ready to go. Yeah. And you press the green button uh-huh. and you sit back and pour yourself a scotch. Yeah. And you watch the magic happen. Yeah. Or you go to bed and you wake up the next day and you're like, wow, that didn't turn out how <laughs> it was supposed to. Yeah. It does take a while. It can at least. So there's a, there's a Tumblr called Epic 3D Printing Fail. Of course there is. You should check it out. It's, um, like those, these things go wrong. Like when they go wrong, they really go wrong. Yeah. And it's fun to go to YouTube and see some of the people that are doing this at home. And it's, it's a process, you know, to learn how to do it right. Right. You know, you're probably not going to get a great result right right out of the gate. Yeah, and if you if you could, it's just pure luck. Like yeah. you're going to waste a lot of um, a lot of consumables. Sure, start easy there. and work your way up is would be my advice. Sure, uh, but you do have to set up your machine, which means just like you would with your printer, you got to make sure it's full of whatever polymer or binder you're going to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's generally a generally the 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 ink jets aren't uh, they move left and right, and right. you're going to have a a base underneath that moves it up and down. Right. They they exist, the inkjet, the printer jets or whatever. Yeah. They move left and right, like you say, up forward and backward. Yeah. And then, yeah, the platform goes up and down to add that third dimension, right? So apparently with the platforms, they nickel and dime you. Oh, yeah? Because they're not reusable. What? Or if they are reusable, they're, I think because they're heated, they're supposed to say heated, so huh. I think it... They, yeah, you're, if you look at like a package for uh, a 3D printer, you buy like replacement trays. I didn't know that. Yeah. How much are they? They're not that much, but still it's right. like a, it's like a, another expense. <laughs> uh, just to print your spatula. Yeah. You end up paying like a hundred dollars for your stupid exactly. spatula. Um, so like I said, you're going to let the machine do its thing and then afterward you're going to take it out. Uh, you might want to check on it occasionally to make sure your Yoda isn't all cockeyed. Did you think that was hilarious? So step six, removal. Remove <laughs> your 3D printed object from the machine. Don't yeah. try to put the pot of spaghetti on your machine <laughs> and use the spatula like that. Actually, take the spatula out of the machine first. That does seem like an unnecessary step. And that's even apparently from a book. What? Additive manufacturing technologies, colon, rapid prototyping to direct digital manufacturing. Step six, removal. <laughs> well, I think maybe they include a removal because they do indicate that just to be careful and you might need to wear gloves and stuff like that. Yeah, because apparently, don't forget what you're doing is you're spraying or your machine is spraying hot melted plastic yeah. in an enclosed location, in an enclosed room probably. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of toxic chemicals involved. You may want to wear gloves. You may want to wear like um, a respirator. Sure. A whatever, a Yoda mask <laughs> that uh, you made with your printer earlier. <laughs> and then uh, afterward, like I said, you may need to clean it up. There may be little hairs. There may need to be things you need to brush off, some powder, and, and uh, then, dude, you're ready. Well, some of them use supports that are water-soluble, too. So, like these things like that keep Yoda's ears up. Yeah. Um, they You can just drop the whole thing in water after it cures, and then the supports will go away and they, because they dissolve in water. Like they never happen. All right, so we need to talk about some of the applications now and in the future uh, right after this message. All right, so the future. The future. The present and the future of 3D printing. Yeah. Its applications are 
really, really piling up like daily, it seems like. Yeah, Yoda figurines. <laughs> That's right. Uh, one reason is, um, the article points out is because, uh, well, there's, there's a couple of fronts going on. You have industrial manufacturing and then you have like artists. I guess there's three. And then you have just your regular dope at home that just has <laughs> like 800 bucks right. laying around. Uh, and industrial manufacturing is obviously going to speed things up like plane wings and artificial limbs. And I saw a really cool, did you see the, uh, 3D printed cast? No. It was, uh, like, you know, it wasn't solid. It was like a, uh, like a honeycomb. Mm-hmm. So bye bye to the days of like having not, ants. Yeah. Not being able to itch your, itch your arm or whatever. You can't sign, sign those though. Yeah. That's a good point. You can't really sign the, the fiberglass ones anyway, though. Oh, really? Well, the back in the old days, you know, it was just plaster. Right. Like those were the that, that was the heyday of cast signing. Right. <laughs> and then when they went to not uh, fiberglass, what is it they use? The I don't even know. I haven't broken a titanium limb. No, it's not titanium. Steel. It's more like the the fabric bandage that ends up uh, hardening. It's just, you can't write on it. Okay. You can't do anything with it. No one asked me to sign their cast anyway, so I don't, I don't keep up with the cast. Does anyone even do that anymore? Or is that a totally antiquated thing? I'm sure they do. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't see the cast to answer your question. Okay. But that's, that's (laughs) industrial manufacturing. They're tackling like the big things like organs and car parts and plane parts. And that's actually the second sea change that additive manufacturing has created for the industrial sector. Cause first of all, they revolutionized prototyping, and then these 3D printers got so good that they're like, well, we can actually produce the actual thing. Like, not just the prototype or the model anymore. We yeah. can produce the actual end result. Yeah. So that's the second revolution, and it's it's very much here now. Like, hey, you're a surgeon, and uh, Josh was in a, a horrible accident, and his face was disfigured, and you want mm-hmm. to put him back together. Mm-hmm. We can print out your old, lovely face. And show that surgeon. Shove it under the skin. Yeah. Just wrap it up. Yeah. Well, you can't do that, obviously. But it just serves as the model for the surgeon, though, instead of looking at it on a computer screen. Right. Um, And there's a there's uh, apparently MRIs or fMRIs are um, going to be pretty much delivering the CAD file to a 3D printer pretty soon to create. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. To create stuff that you need. All you do is just get an MRI scan and then bam. Here's your implant. Apparently, it's all the rage in dental implants. Yeah. You know, I got my fake tooth, which mm-hmm. took a long time to manufacture. Because they weren't using 3D printers. No, but they could whip out a tooth for me tomorrow. Ten seconds. <laughs> um, artists are way into it. Um, if you've been to a an art show in the past couple of years, you've probably seen some sort of uh, 3D printed um, object. Yeah. Um which I, I feel like at this point, a lot of the art that's being 3D printed, it's more like it's made by a 3D printer sure. is the big thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not, wow, that's really amazing. And it was made by a 3D. It's more like this is made by a 3D printer. Yeah, but for me, I'd still, well, I guess it's impressive, but I'd still rather see a sculpture by hand than oh, something yeah. that's 3D printed, you know? Sure. I mean, that seems to be a lot more difficult. Call me old school. Um there's also like a lot of uh, that's kind of doves, dovetails in with art is, um, you know, you can buy a piece of art now that someone sculpted using CAD. Yeah. And print it out at your house and then you have 
a piece by that artist. It's kind oh, of yeah. changing art as well. That's true. Um, there's also a, uh, that's also kind of being revolutionized in commerce as well. So like, um, I guess going back to the medical thing, there's a company called Bespoke Prosthetics uh-huh. where they can kind of measure your stuff and create a model for it and then print out your prosthetic that's super tailored. Wow. Or, you know, going back to that spatula example, you know, you can ultimately have some design sent to your 3D printer. Yeah. And then you print out your spatula. So you're paying for the design that only has to be designed once. And then it's on, it's on the person who is um, buying it. It's up to you to manufacture it. Right. So that kind of takes a lot of the costs away, too. It's really just yeah. you don't even have to build that first one. You just come up with a good design, and you can sell the design over and over again without ever actually manufacturing anything. Right. Or if you just think of some cool little thing you want built, um, maybe your own prototype of something, you can. You don't even have to buy all this stuff. There are companies now that will make your little prototype for right. you. Yeah, the, which is, neat. I think, far more prevalent these days. Like, if you do order something off the internet, yeah, they'll, um, they'll, they send the file to a company that actually prints it out for you and does a professional job. Yeah, unless you want it yourself. That's pretty and cool. Then like, they send it to you for home. like the home inventor, you know? Yeah, and they want to try out their new widget that they just made. Speaking of home inventors, we would be very remiss. It's not in this article, but there is a another yet another revolution. If you haven't gotten the idea that three D printing is revolutionary. Just rewind this and start over. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, there's a 3D printer called a, uh, RepRap, which is a, it's a DIY from scratch 3D printer. That you build? You build. Wow. You can get the parts at just, just about anywhere. Uh-huh. Um, for a couple hundred bucks. And you put it together and you download the open source software. All this is free, all open source. Yeah. Um, and the first thing the printer does is it prints out the remaining parts that it needs. Shut up. Swear to God. Wow. It's in its second incarnation now, second generation rep wrap is called the Mendel, uh-huh. Dr. Gregor Mendel. Of course. Um, and once you have this thing up and running, there's like a whole world of open source um, 3D printing projects that you can download and print. You can upload your own stuff. And the great part about it is since it's open source, if somebody's like, this would be so much better if we just replaced this lattice structure right. with a honeycomb structure here. And then all of a sudden now it's indestructible. And then, bam, that thing just got improved for everybody to come. Yeah, this sounds like something that's like early Internet stuff that at some point some government being will squash. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, like, like all this free trading of great ideas and yes, things. Exactly. And one of the things is the people who are open source fanatics are like, dude. You want to solve poverty, right? You want to solve like um, poor healthcare in these areas. Yeah. Like, give the give a town a three D printer or two, right? Or teach them how to how to set up a Mendel, and then they can print out their lab parts. They can print out replacement parts. They can print out whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they can take care of themselves and give deliver good healthcare. And there's not they're not relying on you know aid or donors or whatever. Yeah. They're they're handling it themselves because now they're not off of the supply line. They're totally tapped in just because they have an internet connection and a 3D printer. Well, and you sent me an article about a a gentleman who is working on 3D printing food. Yeah. And um it, it, don't think of it as like I'm going to go print a hamburger. You have to kind of change your conception of what food is. Yeah. But it's essentially going to be 
a mix of, you know, water and proteins and oils and whatever yeah. makes up the components of a food, and then you print it out as a little cube or a little four-leaf clover and, and <laughs> eat it. Yeah. I don't know about, I mean, it's way early in the stages, but he's talking about solving world hunger with 3D printing. Yeah, and he, he totally could because if you have the macronutrients, right, like you have a, a protein cartridge, a carbohydrate cartridge, yeah. a fat cartridge, and you're using binder printing, so you're just putting them together and adding water or something like that. Yeah, it's um, like instant food. Right, so his his first uh, proof of concept, I think, was chocolate, but the one he's working on now is pizza, yeah. which is perfect because it's in layers anyway. Sure. So um, remember the 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 um, platform that goes up and down is heated often? Yeah. The guy mm. who created that, he, he used um, that characteristic to bake the dough as it's the pizza's wow. being built. So you've got the carb layer and then the tomato layer yeah. and then a protein layer. And the proteins come from like insects or whatever. Right. Which as you're eating it, if it tastes right, you don't care where it comes from. No, of course not. Unless you pay attention to that kind of thing. Right. But yeah, he could very easily, like that could totally yeah. revolutionize food. And as we get closer to things like being able to 3D print living tissue, which apparently we're at right there, but the, yeah. the problem that everybody keeps running up against is blood vessels, generating blood vessels. Right. It's just just beyond our technology right now. Once we start being able to do that, then you will be able to print a nice juicy hamburger in your home. Man. Uh, some of the, some of the downsides of 3D printing is as of now, and, and I think a lot of this stuff, like with anything in technology is going to get better. Mm-hmm. They're going to refine it and make it more uh, environmentally friendly. But right now, uh, they burn a lot of energy, about 50 to 100 times more electrical energy than injection molding mm-hmm. for something that's, you know, similar in size. So that's no good. A hundred times more electricity is traditional casting or machining. Right. So right now they're recommending it. It's, it's not up to like large scale manufacturing or anything like that. Right. Like assembly line stuff. No. Right. Just cause it's just burning too much is wasting too much. Uh, the emissions aren't very healthy. Um, obviously, if you have one of these in your home, like you said, you're in an enclosed space, you're burning plastic. Um, it, there's going to be some emissions giving off, uh, given off from that <laughs> yeah. in your house. Right. So if, you know, I don't know what kind of, they probably have venting systems already, don't they? Yeah, I don't know if you, if in an industrial one, I'm sure, like yeah. they say, you should probably put this in a vented room. But no, if you're just a dude with a, a, a maker bot on your desktop, it's in your, it's in your room. Uh, yeah, your room's <laughs> as vented as it normally is, I would guess. Wow. Uh, plastics is something we're trying to get away from, um, as a planet. And plastic filament is kind of the main, uh, game right now. Yeah, for, for now. I mean, like, as, as metals and ceramics are more and more introduced, I think, you know, plastics will kind of fall away or they could. Yeah. But yeah, for sure, like, all 3D printers use plastics right now. Yeah. You know? Uh, this one I had never considered. I thought was pretty interesting is the piracy, uh, and licensing deals of like, if you want to go make your own Hobbit figurine, mm-hmm. instead of paying, uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Pete, uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, <laughs> his cut. Right. Or George Lucas, his cut. You can make your own little Star Wars figures. Yeah. Or, so. and, or print a bunch of them and go sell them in the subway. Exactly. To little kids who don't know any different. <laughs> who ride the subway. Yeah. Or set up on your own, you know, your own uh, 
online shop or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like you can make the argument like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a problem. And, but that's something that would have to be dealt with just like everyone lived with the piracy from music and movies and all that. Like those industries haven't collapsed. It's true. People are still making music. People are still making movies. People will still make figurines. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, and then the whole gun thing is definitely a touchy issue. Yeah. Uh, this guy, Cody Wilson, 26 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, well, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Or was it last year? No, it was like within the last two years, I think. Made his own 3D printed gun that shot a bullet. Yeah. And um, they have now even, uh, another company has manufactured a metal gun Yeah. that shoots bullets. Yep. And that means if you can sell that software, then people could just skirt gun laws and print a gun at home. Yes. And apparently they already are. Um, I guess... Cody Wilson put it up and the Justice Department took it down, but not before it was already downloaded a hundred thousand times at least. And that's the, that's a magic number. That means it's out there forever. Yeah. And apparently the Congress has already got laws regarding this, um, as far as, uh, having guns that are not made of metal, right. like, i.e., one that you could sneak onto a plane. Yes. But there's a small loophole in that some of these gun plans have like the tiniest little piece of metal. That maybe not picked up by a metal detector, but it is still technically metal. Right. And so it's, it the Liberator it. does have that. Is that what it's called? Piece. Yeah. Wow. It does have that piece, uh, a, a metal piece, but apparently if, if you have the plans, you can very easily go in and X that part out and you have an all plastic gun. Right. Apparently this Israeli, uh, television group printed out their own version of it and, um, Wanted to see how far they could get with one, and basically we're standing right next to Benjamin Netanyahu with this plastic gun on wow. them. They were able to smuggle it all the way into Parliament um, on on the news. Man, so I mean, yeah, it's 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 a plastic gun that you could take through a metal detector, which is a great thing to unleash on the world. And this guy's a what about um, the bullets? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why it wouldn't be picked up or whatever, but. Or maybe they could make plastic bullets. Yeah, but <laughs> no. then you're just shooting somebody with plastic bullets. Ow. It's like, yeah, <laughs> jerk. Yeah, they already make those and they sell them at Toys R Us. <laughs> yeah. I read this Guardian article and it was like, you know, this kid is a, he's very much like um, Ross Ulbricht. He was like a libertarian slash anarchist kind of. Yeah. And um, he was like, well, it's not my responsibility. I just, you know, I unleash this on the world. Who, who cares? Right. You can't, you can't govern this kind of thing. The internet's supposed to be free. And it's like, man, that is a, that is a can of worms that I don't think exists in black and white. Yeah. Or who's responsible legally for some of this stuff one day, like the manufacturer of the software yeah. or, you know. But even beyond legally, who's responsible morally? Yeah. You know? Sure. You um, are, my friend. Not me. Not you, but the individual. Oh, okay. You're not going to print a gun? No. You'll just print out a little figurines of Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that dream. You got anything else right now? I got nothing else. I think it's a good overview. Yeah, it is. We'll revisit in five years and talk about which one won out. Yeah. This article is hilariously out of date. The lowest the lowest price it quotes is... It was like twenty grand or something. Fourteen thousand nine hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even mention the rep wrap. The rep wrap, it's the big deal. 
Okay. Uh, so uh, if you want to learn more about 3D printing, you should go read this hilariously out-of-date article on HowStuffWorks, which, by the way, is being updated. Sure. We put in an update request, so it should be nice and fancy soon. Yes. Um, and since I said search bar, I think I did. It's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, Wild Parrots. Remember when we talked about yeah. the Wild Parrots? Confirmed. Um, hey, guys. Really enjoyed hanging out with you during the Tattoo Podcast. By the way, it is called a Tattoo Machine. Yeah. Not I mean, a Tattoo Gun. Apparently, they don't like that. They don't like that. And we heard about it. <laughs> tattoo people are... They... Tattoo people, um, Burning Man people, <laughs> and who who else? It seems like there's been one more subset of people that you wouldn't think those would are, just be so like angry. Come to mind. Yeah, I can't think of anybody, any other group that's responded on mass so angrily. Yeah, Burning Man and tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when Josh heard um, that parrots like to hang together uh, when free, I wanted to burst into the podcast room and tell you about. The Wild Parrots of San Francisco, my hometown. Uh, I'm not going to get into it except to say that over the course of my life, the parrots were sort of a living legend that one would occasionally get the privilege of spotting now and then. However, about three years ago, I moved in with my uh, aunt in the little San Francisco suburb of Brisbane, and apparently the famous flock of parrots were also making their home there, since it was warmer and less windy uh, than most of San Francisco. Uh, they were often hanging out right outside my bedroom window, which is pretty amusing, but also somewhat annoying especially since my first son was just a little guy, and they are loud. I can vouch for that. Yeah. They're super loud. Also, guys, I'm sending you the link uh, to watch the documentary from 2003, The Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill. So uh, she's recommending that we watch that. Anyway, Did thanks, we get guys. that documentary yet? No, I think it's, um, yeah, it was just a link. It's online. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So keep it up. Seriously, if you stop making podcasts, I'd be... One majorly bummed mama. <laughs> Ciao, Bello. Amy. Thanks, Amy. In San Francisco. Via or, Italy. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, yeah, that was good. I didn't doubt you, I want to say. Oh, no, I didn't think so. Okay. I, I That would just be such an, a bizarre thing to make up. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, thanks, Amy, for uh, supporting Chuck. Chuck loves to be supported and proven right. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. If you want to hang out with us, we've got a bunch of ways you can. Uh, you can uh, hang out with us on Pinterest. Look for SYSK Podcast on Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, we've got a couple of new social platforms. Yes. Uh, Instagram and Pinterest, and it's pretty cool. Like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. These are... Just, everything's different, man. Like, you very rarely see one thing is that's on everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like all if you keep up with us on like Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, you're going to get a bunch of different awesome information. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Cool stuff. So thanks for that. Yeah, and then like I said Facebook, facebook.com/stuff you should know. Um and you can always uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com and uh, hang out with us at our home on the web. stuff you should know.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 